0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I've had a message on my heart that has been burning for the last couple of weeks. I spent a week. ...away with my wife, no kids, no distractions, just to seek the face of the Lord and and uh, move into our future. And I felt God put something on my heart quite heavily... And I I don't want to interrupt the Heart for the House series, and yet I really felt strong to share this word. And so um, I thought, how can I kind of blend the two? And so basically, um, I'm going to try and do that to the best of my ability. But for those of you who are visiting, what you need to understand about our church, or those that are new to the church, every year we do a Heart for the House series campaign. It's an opportunity where we gather around and have an opportunity to give financially over and above our regular giving in order to finance what God is calling us to do. And uh, we're here not to put any pressure on you. We're not here to twist your arm. We're not here to turn you upside down and shake all the money out of your pockets. That's not our intention at all. We are here simply to partner together in what God has called us to do to achieve our preferred future. Amen. And so in this church, we have a real desire to connect people. Everyone say people. God has left us here on planet Earth not to have incredible worship, not to have incredible church services. Our main reason, I believe, that God has left us here on planet Earth is to connect people, precious people, to God, to His church, and to their purpose. And we do that ultimately on three fronts. We do it through the church. We impact our community and we have a kingdom perspective. And so on those three, three fronts, we want to reach those three objectives of make, uh, reaching people and connecting people to God, to his church and ultimately to their purpose. And uh, we, I can think of nothing better than to work together with a group of like-minded people to see that achieved. Amen. But by way of introduction, so next week we'll look at the church and the following week we'll look at the community and kingdom together and then we're done and we'll be taking up an offering uh, the following Sunday. But prior to that I want to share something with you that I've simply entitled, Do You Really Care? And I think this is a great launch for us as we launch into the Heart for the House campaign because it's a good opportunity for us just to take stock and think whether or not we really care. And to do that this morning, I want to read a particular portion of Scripture found in Luke. Everyone say Luke. Luke Luke is one of those who wrote down the events of the life of Christ. And I want to pick it up in verse 10. Luke chapter 10 And reading from verse 38. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not, sorry, which will not be taken Away from her. Here's the scenario Jesus has been out ministering, and ministry back in those days did not look like the ministry today where we can get in a car, get on a plane. He did most things by foot. If it was a good day, he may have been able to sit on the back of a donkey. There were not the paved roads that we have today, so there was dust and there was dirt, and it was in the Middle East where it was very hot and sunny. And so you've got a hot, sweaty, dirty, dusty Jesus and he knocks at the door. Martha welcomes him in and says, here, take a seat. And so Jesus is sitting down and then we have two other main players in this story. One is Martha, one is Mary, and they're both sisters. And as Jesus is sitting down, Mary takes the opportunity to sit down with Jesus and begin to dialogue with Him. I mean, she's really grateful to see Jesus. And I don't know exactly what the conversation looked like, but I imagine Mary in her love for Jesus, the conversation would be like, oh, Jesus, how are you doing? How are you going? You're looking well. How's life on the road? Oh, I wish I could have been there with you. Hey, what's been happening? Have there been any more healings or signs or wonders? Tell us, Jesus. Tell us all the stories. Come on. Hey Jesus, how are you going with the Pharisees? Last time I remember, they were giving you a bit of grief. How's it going? How's that going for you? That's got to be tough. How are you doing? How are you coping? You right? You okay? That's Mary. I don't know how it is that you read the Word of God, but for me, when I read the Word of God, I try my best to get in the story. And I try not to read the story with the end in mind. Because the trouble is, when you know the end, you can, you can miss the bits in the middle. And so when we know Jesus you know, rose again on the third day, we can miss the pain of what it was like on Saturday afternoon. And we're like, why, why are you so worried? We only say that because we know the end of the story. But we've got to place ourselves in the middle of the story before we know the end. And so as I read this story, I see this woman just, just really, really, really wanting to be there for Jesus and, and spend time with Him and find out how He's doing. There was another woman and her name was Martha, she wasn't in the di- uh, dining room or the sitting room. She let Jesus in, said, take a seat, Jesus. I'll be right back. And where did she go? She went to the kitchen and she went all chef on Jesus. And so she got out her pots and pans And uh, she got all her ingredients and and, and she started making things. And as she's doing all this, she looks over and and there's Mary. Hey, Jesus, tell us about the Pharisees. And, 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 And the more busy she gets, the more upset she's getting. I'm not talking to anybody here. I know that. I'm talking about somebody you know. And, and as she's getting more and more flustered, because she's not just gone for a quick sandwich, she's making a crock and bush. <laughs> and she's got just a man eggs and they fall to the floor and she's like, ah, oh, she's, you know, totally flustered. And what's making it worse is that as she peers into the sitting room, Mary's having a great time. She's struggling in the kitchen with no one helping her. And to top it off, her sister is having a great time with Jesus. Who do you identify with in this story? And I imagine as she's getting more and more flustered, she does the glance. She's trying to get Mary's attention. Again, we've never done that, have we? Then she did the death stare. (laughs) And Mary is either not picking up on it or, and more so, I suspect, ignoring it, I imagine Mary's like, Jesus. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Mary's caught her eye rolling. Go on, Jesus. Tell me more. What happened next? What happened next? Mary's getting really ticked now. That is not working. The desk there's not working. Now she's making noise. You know that making noise in the kitchen? excuse me, Jesus, excuse me, just busy in the kitchen, just. Again, I don't sense I'm talking to anybody here. And then there's something about Martha that just gets all too much. And she snaps. Again, don't feel like I'm talking to anybody here. And she can't help herself now. And she runs into the sitting room. With a, this is how I see I, This is not in the Bible. I don't know that they had saucepans that look something like that. But, but I sense that whatever was to be picked up was picked up before she went into that room. And she went in there, she couldn't help herself. She could not help herself. She didn't look at her sister and say, hey Mary, could you please come and give me a hand? What she does... She doesn't even talk to Mary, the one person she's trying to get help from. She goes to somebody else, on this occasion, Jesus, and with wooden spoon in hand, probably three inches away from Jesus' face, says, Jesus, don't you care. I have a real issue with that. Let me ask you a question before I go any further. Was Jesus a man that cared or not? And yet, he got accused of not caring. This man... That left the splendour of heaven, came to planet earth as a humble babe in a manger, took on a body of flesh, was accused and mistreated, and was not too far away from ultimately offering his life as a sacrifice and ransom for the world. He'd just come off a ministry tour where he gave himself helping people. This Lord of the universe is sitting there with a wooden spoon three inches from his face being accused of not caring. Wow. And the person who was accusing him is not some distant relative Not some person who he just met on the street. This is a woman who had done much life with him. Someone who should have known him better and known better. Here's the thing about this account. This is not the only time Jesus was accused of not caring. There is another occasion where the disciples were in a boat with Jesus. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And he fell asleep. But in the middle of the lake, a storm broke out. Jesus was asleep on his cushion, and the disciples are panicking. They can't handle it, they don't know what to do. They wake Jesus up, and what do they say? Don't you care! And again, these are not distant relatives. These are not random strangers who don't know Jesus, know his heart, know him intimately. These are the people that are closest to Jesus. And yet they're asking, don't you care? If Jesus' disciples and Martha and those that are closest to Jesus can accuse the one who cared the most of not caring at all, I think we have to ask ourselves one question this morning. Is our understanding of care really care at all? Is it possible that what we think true care is and what it should look like has nothing to do with what Jesus interprets as care? Because when the one who cared more than anybody else on the planet gets accused of not caring, we have a problem. Unless, of course, Jesus was wrong. And you'd have to be a brave person to say Jesus got it wrong. And so what does care look like? As I said last week, Jesus was ever the opportunist, always looking for a moment to teach into. And Jesus, with a wooden spoon three inches away from his face, responds in a way that should be a challenge and encouragement to us all. He does three things that I can see In this account, that is both helpful and something I believe that he wants us to model and grasp if we are to truly care. The first thing Jesus does, that is assuming now you'll want to know what he did. Well, how many of you are going to say this? Tony, I don't really care what Jesus did. I'm on Martha. I'm team Martha. Martha. You know what? God made me the way I am and that's the way I'll always be. So don't tell me what Jesus said. But the trouble is we're in church and I feel obligated. Jesus, can you picture it? Spoon, His first response is to bring peace. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Number one, peace. Jesus is wanting to bring peace to every circumstance and situation which should encourage us. The challenge is he wants us to be the peace bringers as well. Every time we hear the word of God, it should be like, oh, that's wonderful. Ouch. He wants me to do the same. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ouch. He wants me to. That's preaching. And so this is what he does. He goes, Martha, Martha. Translated. Martha, calm your farm. (laughs) Martha, take a chill pill. Martha, chillax. Peace out. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus brings peace? My question is, how much peace are we bringing? What we tend to do is go all team Martha or team Mary in a situation. Jesus just brings peace. Martha, calm. your farm. It's amazing. He doesn't even entertain her accusations. And he certainly doesn't inflame them. Yeah. Would I be so far wrong and so far removed from the truth to highlight this is how many of us respond? Are you kidding? She did what? I, Mary, get in the kitchen, woman! And we inflame the situation. And we go, well, team Martha on Mary. How about this is a thought. Jesus didn't get all sensitive and self-protective and say, do you know who you're talking to? I am but the son of God. Get that spoon away from mine face. His response isn't like most of us. And that's my point. But as Christians, we're meant to become more like Christ. We're not Marthians. We're not meant to become more like Martha. We're not Marians. We're Christians. We're meant to be like Christ, and without Christ, we're just (laughs) Ians. With all respect out there to any Ian among us. He brings peace. He didn't listen to her complaint. Just an aside, who told Mary she had to cook something? She just did what she wanted to do and then called it serving Jesus. I think we do a lot of things today Based on what we want to do, and then call it serving Jesus. Oh. You sit on something, hey? <laughs> First thing he does, he brings peace. The second thing he does, he brings perspective. What I love about Jesus in this moment, he doesn't sit there and hear all her gossip. He doesn't sit there and let her have a tirade on another person that he loves, Mary, for five hours. Uh-huh. Oh, that's not very oh, that's not very good. Tell me. Oh, oh. Oh. See, in these moments we don't need information, we need perspective. Jesus bought something that was lost. And what was lost in this moment was perspective. It wasn't a matter of whether Mary was helping or not. It wasn't a matter of being in the kitchen or not. It was that all perspective had been lost. And Jesus' words to her, after bringing the peace, Martha, Martha, calm your farm. He says, This, you're worried by a lot of things. My gosh, girl. My gosh. You're worried about a lot of things. There are so many things occupying your mind right now. I, I can see it, Martha. You, there's a, you're all churned up on the inside. And Martha, if I can be honest, you're making my visit to you far more difficult than I intended it to be. You're making relationship, you're making family far more awkward and far more difficult and much harder than it needs to be. And so he brings perspective because she's become overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And these are the very words that define our culture today. Overwhelmed, overscheduled, exhausted. I wouldn't have to be too prayed up this morning to know that there are people amongst us, many amongst us, who are overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And what adds to the exhaustion is us trying to tell our story and why we're so exhausted and we just get more exhausted trying to tell our exhausting story and Jesus will have none of it. And so he just brings perspective. You got this whole thing out of whack, girlfriend. You're making one of the most easiest things really really difficult see to quote Ravi Zacharias whom I really love and appreciate as a theologian and a master thinker he says we live in a world and that's our problem we don't live in heaven if we live in the heaven you wouldn't be listening to me this morning but we live in a world and we live in a world he says that listens with its eyes did you see what he did We listen with our eyes and we think with our feelings. And so if I see something and feel something, it must be true. And Jesus came to counteract that culture. He actually went as far as say this. He said, stop judging by mere appearances, but stop and make a right judgment. And you never make a right judgment based upon what you see or what you feel. when we make judgments based upon what we see and what we feel, we'll always become overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. First thing Jesus does, Martha, Martha. He brings peace. I thank God for the peace Jesus has brought into my life. Secondly, he brings perspective. You're worried about many things. Maybe this little simple illustration that I've played out doesn't identify with your story and where you're at because you're not into kitchens, you're not into cooking. But it could be the workplace, it could be exam time. You're so stressed out about exams coming up. Maybe you're an animal lover and you've got to get home because the dog's got to get his meal on time and you're just worried about so many things. We went to the dog park just the other day and when we go to the dog park, I always take my kids because there's no way I'm going to be seen with a little Maltese Shih Tzu by myself. (laughs) I mean, I do love him. I just don't want to be seen with him. It's all right. And so we were there, and when you get to a dog park, you take it off the lead, and it just runs. And there's lots of other dogs, not too many Maltese Shih Tzus, surprisingly enough. But there are a lot of big dogs. And on this one occasion, happened on Friday night, as it's getting lighter now, I'm able to get quickly to the uh, dog park, take the kids there, and... BJ loves that in particular. And, and she was getting really stressed out. Because our little dog was getting picked on by two or three bigger dogs. I could see her getting stressed. And at that moment, I knew it was my job to bring some perspective. And I said, BJ. BJ. If Tobias gets eaten, (laughs) we can always get another dog. Perspective. For the dog lovers out there or the animal lovers who say, I'm being cruel, no I'm not, I'm I'm being kind. Because we just fed another dog. (laughs) It was a tongue-in-cheek comment, but little BJ snapped her out of a moment. She looked at me like, Dad? I said, just kidding. Let's go. We just got him. He was fine. No dogs were harmed in telling of that story. (laughs) He brings peace. He brings perspective. And thirdly, he brings priorities. He says, Martha, only one thing's important. He says, when I came in here, you ran straight to the kitchen. Let me simplify this for you, Martha. Food's not an issue for me. Martha, don't you remember when there was 5,000 men, not including women and children, needed feeding? I got food, Martha. No problem. I got it. I don't need your help when it comes to food. I got food. I do food. I do large catering. Food. Got it. I do food, Martha. I not only do food, I do wine, Martha. I don't do just any wine. I do the best wine. I can take water and make water into the best wine. I've got food. I've got wine. But what I'm not too sure about right now is whether I've got you. And so he brings the priority. See, when Jesus pops around, he pops around for a purpose. And that's to have friendship and connection and to be with you. That was the purpose of his visit. Just to see how they're doing. Jesus has been on the road, I imagine knocked on the door. I wonder how Martha and Mary are going. And from the time Jesus showed up, he never saw Martha because she was busy doing her Martha thing. And not only that, Jesus goes a little bit Team Mary on Martha. And says, and as for Mary, the woman you're accusing, this is what I love about Jesus. He uses friendships, not to his own end, but to be a help. And he gets in the middle of two sisters and uses the connection he has with Mary and Martha to bring peace, perspective, and priorities. Good, he says, as, as for the woman you're having a go at, sorry, honey, she chose a better thing. She chose the better part. So if you've got an issue with Mary, you've actually got an issue with me. And by affirming Mary, he invites Martha to put down her spoon and come and join them. Because that was the purpose of his visit. Jesus wants to bring peace, perspective, and priority to my life. And he wants to bring peace, perspective, and priority to your life. He wants us to lay down our efforts and all the things that we're doing that he hasn't asked us to do to come and get involved in what he's doing. He not only invited Martha that day, but essentially and ultimately, he's inviting you and I to do the same. Put down all the distractions and come follow me. Come be part of a grander vision. Come and be part of something greater than being overwhelmed, exhausted and overscheduled. Lay down your tools lay down your thoughts, lay down your accusations, lay down your bad attitudes, come and be with me. As the band come, we can receive this teaching this morning at many levels. The first is we can respond with a gratitude That Jesus Christ has done those three things for us individually. He's brought peace, perspective and priorities to our lives. That's the encouragement. The challenge is that he expects us to do likewise. What does that look like? The next time Martha comes into your midst the challenge is to be like Jesus whoever Martha represents it's to bring the peace to that person the perspective to that person and the priorities to that person the other challenge of course is for us not to be the Martha which is probably the bigger challenge But also we can brace this at a church level. You see at Victory Church we have a vision to connect people, precious people to God, to his church and to their purpose. And as I've already stated we do that on three fronts. Church, community and kingdom. And we're going to look at those three things over the next two weeks. And I want to ask you to put some of the things that are competing for the grand division the thing about a grand division it has a grander price tag you can't achieve the grand division without paying a price and as i said at the beginning of this talk this morning i can think of nothing better than to do life with a group of like-minded people with similar heart on the same mission and vision and achieving much for Christ. You see, I don't want to just be known for the numbers. I want to be known as a church for the maturity. I'd love to be known as a group of people that could actually be ones that bring that peace, the perspective and the purpose when those three things are lost. And you don't have to look far for those three things to be lost. I never forget when Karen (coughs) and Brad Pedler, you should never sit on the front row, had news that there was a couple of complications on the ultrasound of their unborn child. And I thank God that they had the wisdom and maturity to be able to phone us and come around and see us. I thought, well done. But oh, the thrill and the joy and the excitement to be able to be there for them. Not necessarily give them answers, but bring perspective. You see, if you're halfway up a hill and you want a better perspective of the lie of the land, you go up or down? You have to go up. And yet many of us, when we want perspective, we go down. What you find down the hill is more people. You'll always have more people on side down the hill because it takes real men and real women to climb to the top. But it's not the ones down the bottom you want to listen to. You won't get perspective down there. You've got to climb up. I thank God that I have people in my world that are above me, ahead of me, beyond me, more experienced than I. And it helps me keep those three things, that I can bring those three things into people's world. Next week, when we talk about the church, I'm going to do it with the help of Others who are leading some of the ministries in our church. The week after that, we're gonna look at what we're doing at a community level and at a kingdom level. I'm gonna have the help of others who are overseeing those ministries. And I want to inspire you with the grand division. I want to come and join us and be part of something bigger than just your little world. Nothing wrong with this, but it shouldn't look like exhaustion. It should be part of our lives not the be-all and the end-all. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.